mission to explore the far reaches of cinema. Three daring adventurers dive deep into the Criterion and beyond. These are the tales of their adventures. This is Cinenauts! Hey, this is Ian. I'm Boom. This is Catcher. And welcome to another episode of Synonauts Exploring the Criterion. This week we're going to be talking about John Cassavetti's The Killing of a Chinese Bookie, which I'm very excited to talk about. This was a catcher's pick last week. Mm-hmm. And then this also kicks off our new sort of test format we're going to do for this month in which uh, our satellite picks will actually determine the next couple episodes all circling back to the killing oh. of a Chinese bookie. <laughs> new moon, new us. <laughs> new moon, new Is it a new moon? Uh, it was last week. It was Scorpio moon. That's why everybody's feeling oh. so crazy. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God for, for horoscope so that I could explain all the reasons why I'm crazy on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> I thought Scorpio was in like October. Isn't Scorpio in the fall? Yeah, but the moons come into play at different. Yeah. Ian, stop talk. Don't even ask this question. <laughs> no, Ian, ask all the questions. Ask away. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> um man. Uh also, speaking of killing of the Chinese Chinese bookie and uh John Cassavetes, our friends over at 70 Millimeter, they're gonna be talking about uh, another Cassavetes film j- completely by chance. They're doing Leading Ladies Month over there, uh, and they're talking about the immaculate Jenna Rowland's performance in mm. John Cassavetti's A Woman Under the Influence. That's the film that came out, like, right, like, the one previous to this one, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. It's basically the one that was like, okay, you can do bigger and better, like, big, not better, you can do bigger things, like, with a Hollywood budget and all sort of stuff. We'll probably get to that later. Anywho, uh, what did you guys watch this week i feel like we haven't talked in a while but oh it's because we recorded on monday last week yeah, yeah. So there was that extra day it did it felt longer yeah um boom what'd you do this week um what did i do <laughs> well watching stuff wise i have kind of slipped back into television which is wild mm-hmm. since we've mm-hmm. started doing this i've been kind of like all in on the movie front um and also have recognized that my sleeping patterns are like in direct correlation with like binge watching television because I just am in it to win it. And then I'm like up until 5am. Um, but yeah, I've got a few shows on the go right now. I started mayor of black mirror, black mirror. No, (laughs) not (laughs) it's rainy season in Toronto right now. So I'm staying (laughs) far away from black mirror. Okay. Okay. Even though what I've been watching isn't much better, but um, yeah, I started <laughs> Mayor of Easttown, which is like the new small town detective mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. And typical, typical um, with Kate Winslet, who I love. And, mm-hmm. and I've been trying to stay away from this stuff, but man, it just like pulls you back in. Um, <laughs> it is absolutely bonkers. There's only three episodes so far. There are so many moving parts. Everybody's a suspect. Guy Pierce is in it. Mm. Kate Winslet is there. She's grumpy as heck. She's a detective. She's been doing it too long. She's got like a million kids. She got, she's got a grandkid. People Wicked. are just dying. Um, and she just loves sandwiches. She just like shoves sandwiches into her face. It's great. <laughs> um, so <laughs> that's, that's new on my watch list. And then also... Um, RuPaul's Drag Race just kicked off in Australia. So RuPaul Down Under has started. Mm. So I started that um, on the weekend as well. I'm very excited because it's like I've I've I'm finding now on like the most recent seasons of like US Drag Race, the caliber of drag is just like insane. Like it's just it's absolutely an art form. You're getting a bunch of polished, polished queens like everything is very wow factor all the time so i'm kind of liking that these like new countries are doing it because you kind of get to see like the nitty grittier stuff um like with uk drag race but the australian queens are very impressive like they're a nice mix Mm -hmm. of like that grunge and also a polished 
queen. So I'm excited to see how that all plays out. Um, and then I embarrassingly have <gasps> never seen an episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, Ian, you're so screwed because once you like, there's so many seasons now, and it's like once you start, you're just gonna get know. sucked all the way in. Like you have a kid on and the way. And that's part just, of the reason why we have leave it until. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's part of the reason why we haven't started because we knew like if we started it it would just be like non-stop for the next however many months yeah so. yeah it's so life consuming yeah, every season that goes by is just another one we'd have to catch up on so one one of these yeah. we'll get to it uh wait until you your wait until your kid uh goes to college and then yeah <laughs> drag drag race is cool ian just because it's um the only reality show where, um, like, at the end when, like, someone's going to get voted off, mm-hmm. you know, there's, like, you actually have to do and compete in the act that you're sort of portraying, like, portraying on the show. Mm-hmm. So it's not like in Survivor where it's, like, you have the top two people, well, the bottom two people who are going to get voted off and then they vote. Mm-hmm. It's, like, if those people actually had to, like, make a fire as fast as as possible Mm -hmm. and then like how are they actually good at surviving or not it's like can these people put on a show yes or no if they can't then they're out the door and like that's kind of cool it's incredible on all levels but yeah the the last thing i watched the film of the week that i'd like to discuss um i watched stowaway Mm. which is the new um sci-fi thriller on amazon prime it stars tony collette who is like one of my favorites. Um, and then Anna Kendrick and Daniel Day Kim, who is like a mm-hmm, man, mm-hmm. if I've ever seen one, my goodness. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're on like a mission to Mars and they figure out that one of like the maintenance engineers gets stuck on board and shit goes wrong and they're running out of oxygen. <laughs> um, and they got to figure it out. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's just like very situational and basic stuff. Uh, I didn't love it. The writing was pretty bad and it was honestly like pretty boring and predictable. They also like completely underutilized Tony Collette and then they like mm-hmm. completely overutilized Anna Kendrick. So like that was frustrating. <laughs> <And> <laughs> That's the wrong ratio. Yeah. And like the set design for a space movie is like pretty basic, like nothing too exciting. It was easy to watch though. So like I wouldn't, so if people are curious, like definitely give it a watch. It's like I think it was like two hours, um, but I just thought it was silly. Nice. So that's my two cents. Nice. <laughs> Love those two cents, catcher. <laughs> so what was I watching this week, Ian? This is a great question. Um, I watched a few things. I rewatched Zodiac just because mm-hmm. it's that time of the year. It's his comfort movie. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Oddly enough, yes. I showed it to my friend Johnny for the first time and he really enjoyed it. He mm. stayed awake the whole time? He did. And actually, something wow. I forgot to mention last week, he also stayed up through all of Mortal Kombat. Wow. So this was That's big. Uh, and it was dark in the room. We turned the lights off and he was awake the whole time. So this is big news for him. <laughs> Not that anyone else knows. And Zodiac's like four and a half hours. Yes. So. In fact, I took a small nap and he was up the whole time. So this is a, a strange role reversal for our friend. Things uh, are happening. <laughs> yeah. It's the Scorpio moon or whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, so I watched Zodiac, which is whatever. And then I watched uh, for the first time, The Color of Money. Mm, mm-hmm. So um, the, the, the killing of a Chinese bookie is in um, a sort of curated list of films on the Criterion channel under like the heading of gamblers. Hmm. Um, So as part of that, there was uh, the hustler, which is sort of like the prequel to the color of money. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I wanted to watch this more modern version with Tom Cruise. So I watched that with Paul Newman and it's about people who play pool. Uh, They hustle people playing pool. And uh, uh, Paul Newman plays sort of like the, old wise man who's teaching the young uh tom cruise how to take people's money playing pool which so that was pretty good on sunday i watched an animated film from netflix mm-hmm. it's called the mitchells versus the machines everyone uh, is talking yes. about this this movie i've seen it all over twitter at work everyone's texting everyone is, me. they should be talking about it because okay. it's really good 
Okay. It's really good. Um, it's produce. It's on Netflix, so everyone on the planet Earth can watch it. Um, <laughs> and it's produced by Miller and Lord, mm-hmm. the guys who did uh, the Lego Movie, the uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs movie, and most importantly, the Spider Verse movies. I don't know if they directed those, but they produced produced them for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this movie, The Mitchells versus the Machines, is a little bit like uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs in terms of its like sort of family dynamic and uh, and sort of the emotions are tied to like this family, the emotions of the film. Um, and but it's visually like Enter the Spider Verse. Um, it's Ooh. really super inventive. It's they it doesn't deal with comic books. What it does deal with is like hand drawn, sort of like pencil draw, uh, pencil crayons and uh, pencils, and just like what you'd be scratching, sort of like hmm. in a notebook as a kid. Um, and the protagonist is this young girl who, from a very young age, is like obsessed with film and want um, and works as hard as she can to get into film school. And just as she's about to go to film school, robot apocalypse. <laughs> Uh, so that it's don't you hate when that happens? I know, it's it's the so worst. annoying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, for very specific reasons, I was emotion like hyper emotional for this movie. Like from the opening, like basically from like the the get. Um, but overall, I think it's really well done. There's a little bit of plotting issues, um, a little bit of cliched sort of big tech companies bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise I think it's really funny. And again, the animation is just as inventive as what you were seeing with spider verse, but it's a little bit toned down, but I think it's really cool. That's so so exciting. I think, nice. yeah, I think everyone should check it out. I saw that you watched it and like gave it a really high rating and I had every yeah. intention of watching it before this show. Cause I was like, Oh, catch or watch like an animated movie and loved it. Like I want to talk about it, but I'm going to watch it soon. Uh, I I love animated <laughs> movies. Like I I wanted before ever wanting to like love film. Like I wanted to work for Pixar when I was a kid. Like that's what I really wanted mm-hmm. to do. Um, and I think what's so cool about the these last two movies, like Into the Spider Verse and and this film, uh, Mitchell's versus Machines, it's like animation is now taking going in a new direct. Like it's just getting cooler and more interesting. And more varied, like it, it feels as fresh as when 3D film started happening, mm-hmm. and like all of a sudden technology, we were pushing boundaries, and every movie Pixar was like inventing something new to show something new and exciting, and like I feel like that's what these two films are like pointing in a, an amazing direction in that way. And I think yeah, if you just look at some of the animated films from this year's Oscars, like Not cool shit that. is still around, and I think it's a time for a new renaissance of, like, animated movies. Yeah, because I love the Pixar stuff, and, like, I am always so, like, impressed at the hyper-realism. Like, in Seoul, all the overhead shots in New York. I mean, those look like photographs as it was crazy. But I do love when, you know, studios sort of mix it up or other studios come in and put their flair and their different style because it does get tiring, mm. you know, seeing Pixar movies all look basically the same. Anything else? Sweet. Uh, no, I don't think so. That was pretty much it. Some, some nonsense shutter stuff that we didn't finish. So <laughs> love the catcher nonsense shutter. Uh, updates. <laughs> yeah. uh, I won't even describe the plot. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Ian? Yes. Yeah. I watched, um, well, I rewatched Rogue One because I'm going to be appearing on my friend's podcast called The Never Ending Movie Marathon. Uh, it's not going to be out until oh. like it's not going to be out until June. I think they record like a month in advance. They're very very good, much unlike us here. Um, <laughs> that was fun. My buddies Matt, Alex, and Rocco um, they do things where like every couple of weeks they they watch a series of movies, and then every couple of weeks they all have to be like directly connected. Like this one was all like first time directors or something like that cool um so that was super fun um revisit that movie i love that movie it's great also happy may the fourth nice you too happy may the fourth i was telling ian before the show that i could finally say that with like purpose because i've seen (laughs) all the star wars movies now (laughs) um and then i also watched all that jazz which is bob fossey's 1979 
Yes, yeah. I saw that review on Letterboxd, yeah. and I was just like, what a great review. So I hadn't seen it since, like, college, and I just didn't remember how awesome and amazing that movie is. Like, yes. I, I said it's, like, eight and a half. It's, like, very similar to eight and a half, but in, like, a musical world, like, without spoilers, there's a lot of things where it's sort of in the imagination. It's an autobiographical movie. Uh, really, like, amazing. I it, It's so nice. good. And I think it's in the Criterion, so... Oh, it is in the Ooh, Criterion, because that, that's is, how I bought yeah. it. Because uh, it's not available streaming, so I had to go buy the disc uh, to watch it. Um, Sweet. Oh, cool. Great, great movie. We should cover that at some point. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to do a revisit on that one, because it's been a minute. Yeah, it's so good. Like, stunning, stunning work. Uh, oh, and then I... Uh, <laughs> I also watched Dirty Dancing, which, uh, yes. what a movie, what a movie. That movie is like borderline Ooh. pornography. I mean, mm-hmm. the there's like the, the plot line is so yes. thin, but, and every other scene is like a montage of just Jennifer Grey and Patrick Swayze just all up on each other. I mean, it's grinding, grinding. Yeah. It is. It's like, so good. I love like, that movie yeah. so much. I mean, even now, I feel like that that's a PG-13 movie. I was watching that, and I was like, I don't even know if 13-year-olds should be watching this movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it is horny. I know, it's one of those movies that you watch when you're really young, but I feel like like the, all the spectacle with the dancing kind of goes over your head. Like, you're yeah. not really, your eye, like, you don't really understand, like, sexual tension at that point in your life. So I'm like, I must have watched that movie for the first time when I was, like, right. nine, Yeah, me 10. too, yeah. And then you grow up, and you're like, ooh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just put it together that like the sex scene in that movie is really just him lifting her up in the air. No, no, no. Spinning her around. <laughs> oh, I know no. there's like an actual oh, sex oh, okay. scene, but I just mean like the sort of like the gratification of like this erotic film is just like <laughs> it's just him lifting her up in the air and spinning her around. And like that's how erotic the movie is. It's I mean, like that it actually plays. It feels satisfying that that's what they do, you know? Right, right. I mean, the eyes Jennifer Grey is given Swayze. The first time she sees him, just whew, on another level. <laughs> Unreal. So good. Yeah. So, so good. Ugh. Great, great movie. Um, mm-hmm. And then other than that, I haven't really, didn't really watch too much other stuff. So, fun week, though. Uh, and I'll have to watch Mitchell versus, versus the Machine and the Machines. Versus the Machines. Mitchell. Yeah. Mitchell versus the Machines. Yeah, I'm going to try and watch that for uh, next week. Um, yeah. but let's get to it shall we shall we uh for we've been dming a little bit and you, you may have seen boom's review come through <laughs> this may be a little bit of a contentious episode uh no. boom <laughs> did not seem to be on the same page as the rest of us but we'll see how this goes hey everyone just stepping in here really quickly because when we recorded i forgot to give the synopsis of the movie and so later in this episode when you hear uh catch saying i don't think we went over the plot ignore that because i'm doing it right now uh in post but basically the killing of a chinese bookie is about a guy named cosmo vitelli who is played by ben gazzara and he owns and operates a a burlesque nightclub in la and basically he finds out he is in a big gambling debt and the mob comes after him saying you better give us your club or uh we're basically gonna kill you And he says, I can't give up my club. What else can I do? And they basically say, okay, there's this bookie in Chinatown. You have to go kill him. Once you do that, you'll be off the hook. And that is the plot of the killing of a Chinese bookie. Back to the show. Uh, Catcher, why don't you Mm -hmm. take us away? This week, we are covering the killing of a Chinese bookie. But I think the story of his first film truly encapsulates John Cassavetti's approach to filmmaking. So let's get in our time machines. (laughs) well done um and head back to 1956 where cassavetes is co-running an acting workshop which he started as a response to the method acting movement that was taking over acting in theater and film at the time for him the exercise of improvisation was key to finding the truth in characters and in performances it was in these classes that he would develop his first film shadows a film that truly embodied all of the most important aspects of his filmmaking process. It's working outside the studio system. It's shooting guerrilla style without permits in his own home at times. Um, It's about working with players he knows well, and it's about utilizing improvisation 
to develop authentic characters with real emotions, all of which with the hope of getting at something true. But this desire to capture the authentic created an aesthetic that at times can be hard to penetrate because it rejects the sort of big emotions and theatrical performances, at least from his opinion, of traditional studio films. So when watching this film, did this approach help to bring you into the story? Or did you find it pushed you away? What do you guys think? I was particularly uh, into this movie. I, I really like Cassavetes. I've only seen like four or five of his movies, and this is one of them uh, that I had not seen. Um, so I guess I was like kind of aware of what it was going to be like going into it. And I say that like it's so like crazy, but it is. And maybe boom, you can speak to this a little bit because I know you were a little thrown off by it. Um, you know, <laughs> I I was sort of I was sort of like prepped because I know his his movies are not easy to watch. They're pretty like fatiguing on uh on on the mm. audience um but i think the way like how you say that they want to feel lived in like i 100 percent think that's true like ben gazzara as cosmo like felt like that was him um like almost to a point where i was like they, he could have grabbed this guy off the street and just like shot with him and like sort of lived his life um, it felt incredibly real. I was very, very into that. Um, and again, having seen like Casafetti's other stuff, it like I sort of were prepared that it was going to be that's that sort of like filming and and acting style. Um, it, it is hard to describe what it is without seeing it, which I get is weird for a podcast. But uh, yeah, lived in and like very real is sort of what like I think you would describe all of Casafetti's movies. Um, but boom, I know you haven't seen um, a Cassavetes. So what, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah. So this was, yeah. So I hadn't even heard of John Cassavetes until last week. Um, and I watched a woman under the influence ahead of watching this just to kind of as like a primer um, to get into it. And I agree, I would agree that it's like an interesting approach to kind of like acting and um and and like highlighting actors and kind of like giving them full reins to tell a story but for mm. me it still wasn't like hitting I just found mm. that I know that like certain scenes were fully improvised I know certain scenes uh were a little bit more scripted but to me, the scenes that were improvised were clearly improvised and they were reading a little sloppy and and taking me out of it. Um, and everything else was just kind of very, like, loose and, and like, I didn't get the lived-in vibe at all. Um, mm. I kind of, like, I, I got, you know, like, certain points of the character, you know, <laughs> kind of do read through but a lot of it for me was kind of just up in the air like I felt mostly confused the whole time <laughs> um so I so I wasn't in particularly a fan of of the acting in this catcher uh we did it <laughs> this is also this is also <laughs> this, for uh, lifting the veil a little bit. We have had to restart this part of the conversation about eighteen times in the last yeah. uh, fifteen minutes. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that, that's what Boom says. So I'm glad we made it here. But uh, yeah. Catcher, this was your first Cassavetes too, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I like Boom. Like I had very little knowledge of who this person was, like at all. I mean, a little bit. The name was familiar to me, but other than that, the only thing I knew was that he had like a five disc box set that Barry Jenkins told me I should watch. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I have been sort of like, just, I don't know. How do I feel? The acting is really interesting. Um, I think the film itself is really cool. I've really been interested in sort of exploring like these very like naturalistic, performances and 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 styles recently like just something i've been thinking about um so it's cool that like we've got actually a chance to sort of watch this film um the second like there's a scene right at the beginning where um cosmo who great name by uh, the way 
Mm-hmm. Yes. I'll give it um, that. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, so we didn't do the plot. So basically Cosmo is a owner of a, a not a high-end strip club. Seedy. But it's, seedy it's a pretty less, seedy yeah. strip club. But in his mind, mm-hmm. this is a place of wonder and excitement and mm-hmm. possibility. Um, and he's sort of the announcer of this strip club in a way, in a way. And he has this sort of like the intro to the performance is like long winded. And you see him performing this like sort of in a hole underneath the stage. And as he's talking, the audience is just like, boo, boo, like hurry up, show the titties. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, he sticks to his guns and he has this thing in his mind and this, this idea of what it, what he believes this place is and what it could be. And, that to me was like really interesting to have a movie called The Killing of a Chinese Bookie and have this be like your protagonist is like, okay, this is going to be an interesting thing. And the whole film is, yeah, it's definitely interesting. Like the the cinematography is interest, like is very like feels very gorilla and like low budget. Mm. And the acting is at times like really profound, and then at other times like. I don't like impenetrable. Like, so it's a a hard thing to watch, but I just feel like I saw something super unique and to know sort of the background of who he was and like his influence on independent filmmaking. Like he's basically like the uh, original independent filmmaker. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like that's fascinating to me that he had such a strong appreciation and respect for the acting process. Like this is more about, the actors having a good time than us having a good time. And it Mm. can sometimes feel like that when you're watching it, (laughs) (laughs) but there are some amazing, like, like you were saying, Ian Cosmo feels like, like, I don't know who that guy is. I just know that that the person who looks like that is Cosmo Vitelli (laughs) and he owns a strip club like that. You get that feeling. Um, But I, I understand also how it can be jarring. Uh, Let's, let's talk a little bit. Our guy Cosmo, Catch already talked about this, but I just found it so endearing and like, he's not supposed to be a likable guy, but like you are rooting for him because he has all these flaws, but at the end of the day, his like, he's oddly just like living his dream of owning this burlesque club that he thinks is like the best in the world. And he holds so much like pride over it. Um, the scene in particular, and I think you might've been a scene towards like the beginning of the film where he's, uh, auditioning a new dancer. Uh, he brings her into the empty club and the dancer goes upstairs to change and he like walks down the stairs and like the way he like looks at this empty club. Um, and you haven't seen the club up until this point, actually, mm. but the way you hear him talk about it and how he says like, it's the number one club. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a nightclub owner now. Uh, and then <clears throat> he goes into this club and like, the lighting is just so beautiful on it with like the, the purples and reds. And then, you know, just looking at his face, he's like so proud of it. He plays this like slow, like ballet music versus like what you would expect <laughs> yeah. to hear, like in a strip club. And at that moment, I was like, he just like loves like his life and like this art of like burlesque dancing. Um, and then when the camera reveals, it's just like a normal, like looking, like looking club. And you even see later, like the performances aren't even good. Like they're just completely <laughs> weird. Right, yeah. And so all that added up just like made me like love the guy. Like I just thought he was so you know, he he's willing to kill a man to to save his to his save club. the club. Right? Club, yeah, because yeah, they were willing to like, we'll just take your club and he's like, No, I'm not gonna do that. Like this is my my thing. Um Yeah. There's even a scene like right sort of in the thick of sort of t- he's going to kill a Chinese bookie. <laughs> right. Or so or so he's told. Right. Um sort of in the Korean. heat of that moment. Sorry, did you guys pick up? Really? Did you? Because uh, I watch everything. No, I, I, I watch everything with subtitles, and in, during uh-huh. the subtitles, it was like kept on saying speaking in Korean. <laughs> oh, that is amazing. That could be like a thing that I just didn't. That that could be like an like part of it, though, right? That, yeah. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. That is per. If that's true, that's perfect. Yeah. I didn't catch that. Yeah. That's awesome. That is awesome. Um. But yeah, so he's having some car trouble. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he escapes the car trouble and goes and makes a phone call. And, like, you sort of think that he's, like, you're wondering, like, who's he going to call? Like, is he calling the mob? Like, things have gone bad. 
inform them of what's going on. No, he like calls the club to make sure that performances <laughs> yeah. are like going off as scheduled. You know, it's like everything is about the club for this guy. Um, and some of the research I was doing for the uh, for the movie and like for the essay, it was talking about how this film is basically him sort of discussing um, him being Cassavetes, his, his film. Uh, yeah. John Cassavetes, like his film process and ha- him working with just like working within the studio system and all that stuff. And he, you know, he has this very particular style of filmmaking that like is important and meaningful to him. Mm. And all everyone ever wants is like to show the titties, you know, and like <laughs> he sort of has this relationship with the audience where it's, it's it's quite difficult for him because he has a vision. He's constantly being asked to sort of like compromise it, and he's constantly being asked to like sacrifice everything for it. And in the and even the main actor said that his performance was sort of based on Cassavetes, like hmm. his persona mm-hmm. and sort of his, I guess I don't know, like uh, mannerisms. I maybe not mannerisms, but just like his uh, his aura, yeah. I guess. <laughs> um, and. Like, just that is so fascinating to think about, like, when watching it, you know? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's a movie, and, like, you should have fun watching it. And, and I I had fun, and it was an interesting sort of, like, odyssey to follow this guy through, like, what he was willing to do um, to save his club. And like you said, it's, like, such a weird club to be saving. <laughs> it's his, and that's cool, you know? I just felt very confused the whole time I was watching this. Like, it's very... It's very obvious that there is a plot, but at the same time, I just kind of, (laughs) it kind of, (laughs) it just felt like when somebody is like trying to tell you about their dream and then like they keep trailing off, you know, I went back and like read the like Wikipedia (laughs) plot of this and I was like, oh, like that's a movie. But like, where was that on, on screen? I'm so sorry. I don't want to like rip it apart, especially with the whole no, thing no, about like no, this whole movie being a metaphor for his like literal career. So it's like I am now becoming the mob, but like I just <laughs> <laughs> that's right, yeah. Because I'm like I get it, like I all the facets of this film. I'm like I get it. I understand who this yeah. guy is. I understand what's driving him. But like just everything about this movie just kind of sucked. Like it was it was just like. <laughs> god i'm living for this oh no it was just like no this is the energy this is lacking like any grounding through a point of view you know and any point of view that was like being offered up is just playing into tropes that like we've already seen play out a thousand times so it's just like when people are like oh this is such an interesting like way of filming i'm like no it, it looks like it's filmed on like a camcorder and it's just a movie that <laughs> it's just a movie I've seen a thousand times. And like, just because the audience is being like subjected to watching like a terrible burlesque show for like 10 minutes, that looks like it was like, again, shot on a camcorder. It's really just like drawing out a very generic and narrow perspective of like a man in deep trouble and denial. And <laughs> that's how I feel about mm-hmm. it. Mm, my goodness. <laughs> okay, can, can I ask you a question Scathing. then? Can I ask you a question? Oh, no. So you, you watched... No, no. Uh, what was it? Influ- what is it? A Woman, a woman Under, under the, the Influence. influence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you like that any more than you like this? From your perspective, is it any different in terms of style than this movie was? Um, or is it more of the same? I preferred the styling of Bookie more than... A Woman Under the Influence. Oh, my. A Woman okay. Under the Influence is a very, like, grating, hard yeah. watch. And yeah, it is tough. very performance-driven. It, it's similar, like, the, the cinematography and, like, the way in which it's shot is similar. Like, it's those very, like, you know, handheld, like, close. Super um, gritty, yeah. Yeah, shots. And that's something Texas that I. Texas Chainsaw Massacre style. Yeah, but te- I I still like in Texas Chainsaw, I was like, I'm following this. Like, I don't know. It just, it seemed like it was like adding to the atmosphere of it. Like this, I'm just like, I do just want it to be a little m- bit more static. With a woman under the influence, it she's like literally unraveling. And I understand that he's trying to create a feeling with like 
the way the camera's moving around and all and and all of that but it's just like I can't focus like I I feel so everything feels so up in the air and just doesn't feel grounded at all and that's the way I felt about this because there's like a few moving parts and there's there's stuff going on but I just felt majorly kind of like confused and uninvested the whole time Mm. Mm. Uh, catcher what overall I mean, did you did you enjoy watching this or did you not? I enjoyed it to a point, <laughs> and I think it really has to do more with I just need to watch it again. Mm. I think my mindset while I was watching it was like just not where it could have been. Like I I, I tried rewatching the end the next day because I was like I need I need to see this again, and I much more enjoyed the ending, the sort of on my second viewing. So I I think if I go back now that i sort of know what i'm dealing with i'm really interested to sort of like watch more of his films and see if i like it more or if i like it less Mm. but i think that it will go on to me liking it more i just like it has a strong vision Mm. like whether or not it's like the execution you like i don't like that's up to each person's individual taste but like there is a unique and strong vision that's there so i'm just interested to explore more of it Mm. And like sometimes I also wanted more of Mortal Kombat and that's not like a good move. You know what I yeah. mean? So it's, but, but I'm excited by it. Right. That's the the best thing it's I can say is like the most honest thing I can say is like, it's exciting. Yeah. It was just such, just to see like everything you describe boom is like, Oh, it's like on a guy on a camcorder and, and the, I, and I don't want to take away from what you're saying. Cause that's like, yes, that's exactly what's going on. But it's like, <laughs> This was the first guy to pick up a camcorder. A hundred percent. You know, the, 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 the timeline equivalent of picking up a camcorder and making a movie and being like, I'm going to do it on my own, like, and call it, like, not even having distribution, like, not in this film in particular, but his early work, like, calling every theater and being like, will you play my movie? Yeah. Like, not even being involved in the distribution cycle. Like, that's really fascinating, but maybe totally. that's the only thing that's fascinating by it mm. is, like, sort of the context but maybe not the content yeah Mm. exactly because as like i can a hundred percent appreciate and respect that and and i appreciate that that's like this is a great jumping off point for independent film like fast forward to a few years later and we have blood simple but by the coen brothers and like that is also done Mm. on a nothing Mm -hmm. budget and i think and is also like noir style kind of like gritty but it's just like worlds mm. better than than what this is, and well, and it's it's just well, yeah. weird. It, I think yeah. I'm just coming from the perspective of just I went into this understanding that John Cassavetes is so highly regarded, and mm-hmm. what I was seeing just wasn't adding up to that. So I'm just, and usually when mm. even like when we did eight and a half, I was like, okay, you know what? I can see that this is a objectively a good movie i'm just not mm-hmm. connecting with it with john cassavetti's stuff so far i'm like i don't know if this is good and i don't understand why people like it so much that's like <laughs> that's awesome. but i still yeah. no, but but it's still an exciting thing to feel because i'm like i still kind of want to watch his other movies and you know see if they're just as dry and not entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? I think there can be something like along those lines, boom, in that like when you're going back and checking out the classics, you know, or, or all of these like influential films, especially like with the, this, this is like the specific journey sort of we've been going on. You can sort of sometimes get in your head and be like, do I just, am I just saying I like these movies mm. because everyone says to like these movies and, that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. And it's nice when you sort of rub up against one of these films where it's like, oh, no, like, I know I can I know I can sort of articulate my opinion. And my opinion is this. This is boring. And I hate it. You know, <laughs> and it's like and like that's like a good energy, I think, to have, too, is like to be honest in how you're feeling. Yeah. Like, and I think that's cool. So. <laughs> so the playground thing. Like I was mentioned, I mentioned uh-huh. before, like he sees sort of acting as like a playground, like the theater is a playground. Mm-hmm. Going now that we've sort of like let go of what we were talking about, now we're being a lot more honest. Do you do you feel like his approach to acting, where it's like it's giving it the benefit of the actors in the creation process? Like, do you think you 
um, there's something lost in that, or do you think there's something good in that? Well, I like his movies. <laughs> so yeah, I guess that's that's a good point. So, that's a stupid question. No, 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 so no, leave no, it. No. Just cut it. <laughs> no, keep it. Keep it. Uh, <laughs> so I think it works really well. Um, but I also uh, so I've seen a woman under the influence, killing of the Chinese bookie, shadows, faces, and love stream, and none of them are easy to watch. Mm. Uh, you know, the, yeah. the, they're all like shot in this very cinema verite gritty like cameras moving around like everything boom hated about it is like a lot of these are shot that way yeah um chinese bookie is just shot like more stylized i would say than all the others um but i really like it i mean i think it works really well like i already said earlier like i think jenna roland's performance in a woman under the influence is like one of the best performances i've seen just like period um uh and i really liked um ben gazzara as cosmo vitelli i mean i liked everyone basically in this um like samuel cassell was really good timothy carey i mean they're all i thought fun performances and like i said before felt lived in um so the style works for me i have seen it like there are a lot of times where it doesn't work in Mm -hmm. movies yeah Mm -hmm. um and i don't think it works in like every cassavetti's movies either um but something i don't know i i just like it just feels very um like pure i want to say um i don't know something something about it I think really, like, really clicks with me. Hyper, like a hyper realism in film as a goal is a very big, um, it, it's a very big objective, and it's it's very hard mm-hmm. to nail down because it, it, it with the drop of like a hat, it is um, it can just all slip away so quickly. There's very few mm-hmm. films that I've seen that are kind of going for a hyper-real aesthetic and acting style that actually can can nail it. So I appreciate the fact that that is something that he consistently worked at and, and tried to perfect. You know, have I seen mm-hmm. it in the, the two films that I've watched of his? No, but it is something that I'm like very interested in seeing done and done well um the best example i can think of in my head is the film always maybe sometimes never mm. is that mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i think that's the best example of like a hyper real vibe and, and hyper real acting um so i appreciate it and it's interesting to see people try um it just i do find it always just kind of spins out at some point and with improvisation it's just such a like tricky i don't know like it's a risky game to play with with that yeah but yeah, I, I, the scene where so the scene where cosmo he goes back to his girlfriend's house and then like his girlfriend's mom is on the phone like with the hospital and he says and and cosmo's like oh like i didn't expect you to betray me i'm assuming that was improvised because i actually didn't understand yeah that like whole scene where that came from with um Rachel's mom was improvised and you can tell because she's just mm-hmm. repeating the same thing over and over again you know she's like go to the doctor go or whatever and you're just like try harder it's yes right. and come on we all learned that in <laughs> in high school <laughs> yeah because when he said like you you betrayed me i was like wait did i miss something did she work like i thought she was working with the mob to set him up no. with no 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 that murder. whole scene got, is like <laughs> i got super confused for a little bit no see this that scene i was like again when i watched it like again i sort of watched that the ending part like 40 minutes again mm-hmm that scene really worked for me because it's like this is a dude who's like he's bleeding out and he's dying and he sort of knows the end is nigh you know mm-hmm. and it's like he's sort of like a bit of in a, in a daze it feels like where like the people who he can't believe that his friends who he thought were his friends mm-hmm. betrayed him like that's like i think where he's coming from mm-hmm. and she's just like listen dude i don't i know you're part of some shady shit I've not asked questions before. I'm not asking them now, but I'm wise enough to what's going on that this is bad news and I'm not even going to put up with it. You need to go. And it's like <laughs> they were ser- clearly so close. Like when you meet first are introduced to her, when he right. goes to like pick up with all his flowers, girls right. and bring quiz and stuff for them. And 
so cheesy and lovely. I love it. Um, and they have such a close relationship. But then in that moment, it's like she, she's just like, I'm not dealing with you at all. Mm-hmm. And I, I, so I don't know. Maybe I do like it. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> Uh, um, was there anything you guys liked? I liked all of the women's outfits. <laughs> <laughs> they were dressed very well when he was trying to like get the get the mob to like relieve his debts, which is like, dude, that's not going to happen. Yeah, no, come on. Ian, what did you tell us? A few things you liked. Yeah, yeah, yes, I agree. Uh, no, I mean, I I, I thought the story was really interesting um like i said before i and i think i've I've said this on other episodes before i really like stories where the character it's focused around a character who will do literally anything for what they like believe in Mm. and i find it more endearing when it's for something that i'm like that's not even worth it like (laughs) in this case uh his burlesque club um so every time you know they kept the, the story kept like ramping up into him having to do like more and more extreme things uh, I, I got, I really got into it. Um, I thought the, uh, I, I thought the final shootout thing was cool and he had a whole bunch of, and you know, just like the aura of Cosmo. I, I liked, like catcher said his, his way of speaking, I thought was super interesting. Um, like his persona of in the club and like out of the club, I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just like it. Mr. Sophistication kind of weirded me out a little bit. So the, weird. Uh, the burlesque like MC <laughs> yes, who yes, could not yes. sing like a single note, like borderline tone deaf, um, but like kept thinking he was like the star of the show. Yeah. <laughs> that was so weird to me. Yes. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you feel like his persona is like put on? Like, do you feel like he's putting up a front that is this persona? Or do you feel like this is genuinely genuinely like who he is? He just sort of thinks this is great. Think, he just has bad taste. I think he just genuinely thinks it's great. It's like when you walk into like, you know, you'll walk into some restaurants that are like family owned and, you know, like the design and like everything just like looks mm-hmm. really weird. They have like weird prints on the wall and all this sort of yes, stuff. Yeah. Yes. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, how many restaurants have been like that? And the food, like, isn't that good. But, you know, they, like, love their restaurant. Mm-hmm. And it is, like, they think it's, like, the best restaurant in the city. Um, yeah. So that's kind of, like, the vibe I had. And, I don't know, just something about it <laughs> was very, like, endearing to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. Totally. I get that. I totally. do. The element um, of delusion is well represented in this film. Mm-hmm. I will say that. <laughs> yeah the, the delusion is real so you didn't like any of his delusion boom you thought it was just like like not even you can't even see why he would want that was was that sort of your um, issue with it as well i actually you know what on that level i probably like understood that element of the character the most kind of just like can you like convincing yourself something is great just so you can be okay <laughs> and it doesn't like fall <laughs> everything doesn't come like falling down around you because he has this like crappy club even though he's like putting his all in it you know he he has to believe that it's the best thing ever um and then he mm-hmm. also is just dealing with this like crippling gambling debt that he like gets ri- <laughs> like that is just a constant cycle for him like he literally lives his life in denial um, and I think that was well portrayed. And I think the character in that sense, like d- was really well, um, like conveyed in, in that mm-hmm. way. But so, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like all bad across the board. It, <laughs> there, there were you things. can say that. I don't get, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, catcher. What, what about you? What, what do you think stood out to you? Just like. If you're going to take away something you really enjoyed about it. What yeah, no, I mean, and, and to be honest, like, again, uh, there's a lot of it that I liked. Like, I definitely think I like this movie more than I disliked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, and I think it's, yeah, there is something in the style of it. There is something in the way, um, it's not documentary, but the way it tries to just, like, the camera is with the characters in the movie. It's not sort of like a godly vision, you know? It's like, it's in the mix with them. Um, And, you know, it's a little messy and it's not perfect, 
Um, but it's striving for something. And like, that's like, that's pretty huge. That's a huge, that's humans mm -hmm. across the board mm -hmm. for all of time. The and so is there. in a way, like, yeah, like, and, and that is something special, you mm -hmm. know, it's like really trying, he talks, um, I was reading a, some stuff and he was just really talking about how, like, he really wanted to take this approach of like letting go of all the sort of like theatricalness of acting and like he's like so much of like day to day is just as theatrical as like films and like we really need to try and like so much of what we do is performative and he really wanted to try and access something that was truly honest mm -hmm. and authentic and life is not exciting in the same way that it is in movies and like he's really trying to pers like show what the mundanity of life can be like even in the face of like real cr craziness. So like all of that is like, just I like films that make my mind race. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's all that this movie is. It's just like, I can learn so much about stuff from this, mm -hmm. but again, it's context and content. Like, again, like, I don't know how much of that is like in the movie or how much of it is me learning after watching the movie. Right. But it doesn't matter. Does it matter? I don't, I'm not sure it does. <laughs> Uh, before we get to our categories, catch. Uh, I know you picked this specifically because uh, of, of your boy um, Barry Jenkins. Barry Jenkins uh, yes. had this in his Criterion Closet episode. Do you see a specific influence in any Barry Jenkins films that you think came from this movie? Mm. Um, that's interesting. In Moonlight, some of the sort of sequences, like it's definitely his. The visual style is much different, mm -hmm. but there is something in like quiet moments um like sitting at the bar mm -hmm. like i uh, saw at the restaurant like waiting for um the guy he's seeing like to see him for the first time and he's waiting on him to finish doing his work mm -hmm. or like there's little things like that that are i guess i can see him sort of empathize like he talked a lot about how this was empathy like that Casavetes is an example of empathy and understanding an actor's experience but just like characters and i think mm -hmm. that's true his character's especially in Moonlight, just feel like so from this earth mm. in a way that is so relatable, at least for me, in terms of just understanding a new perspective of another human being. So I guess there's that. Nice. 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 Yeah. Any any last thoughts on the killing of a Chinese bookie before we go to our categories? Best title ever. I, it I, is something about this. And if what Boom revealed that he's actually Korean is true, like makes the film even better. <laughs> Uh, we got to cross reference that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's go to our criterion moments then, shall we? Oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a way to keep that in, yeah, that would I'm, be I'm keeping it in. Don't worry. Okay, great. Um, well, I'll start then. My criterion moment is the one I talked about earlier. It's just a scene when he is walking around the strip club or the burlesque club alone. I just thought it was really, really well shot and everything you need to know about Cosmo is in that moment. Um, yeah, like I said, the lights, the way he's looking at it, um, the music he chooses for the audition. Um, I, I, I thought... I like that I, I song. I really love that scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I love that scene. I thought that was really great. So, uh, Catcher, what about you? Yeah, mine, I mentioned it earlier. Um, it's the scene where he's, like, announcing the show for the like the first time mm -hmm. like near the beginning and everyone's just like come on show us the tits and it's like you really learn like <laughs> this is a guy who loves this club and this vision that he has for the club it's just like it's so um it's so pure in, the club, in his like nerdishness fam. or something you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh now boom <sighs> boom 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 my sweet oh boom. no okay my criterion <laughs> moment that i was definitely if prepared for before the show as always <laughs> is when he goes and picks up all the girls because he's just got mm -hmm. the queasiest cheesiest look on his face he's proud as can be and all the girls look on fleek fresh as mm -hmm. f um mm -hmm. 70s fashion coming through so that mm. is my criteria moment. also also a great scene that i think shows a lot about the character of Cosmo. Exactly. So the wonderful, yeah. wonderful character of Cosmo. The wonderful character of Cosmo. <laughs> um, all right. So let's get to our satellite picks here. And once again, this is going to be the first episode 
uh, in which our satellite picks are actually going to determine the next three episodes. So yeah. uh, it is my turn to pick. We're all going to reveal our episode, our picks, um, and then we're going to go in that order. So people actually have a little bit of time to to, to watch them ahead of time. So uh, it is my turn. And for me, I like thought of this pick like maybe 15, 20 minutes into the movie. It was just so obvious that uh, the film is influenced not only the story itself, but the directors as a whole. And that is uh, the film Uncut Gems Ooh, baby. Um, starring Adam Sandler, directed by the Safdie brothers. Yes. Yeah, I had the exact same vibe. Like, it's like I think again, like tw- like you said, twenty minutes in, I was like, "Well, if this isn't on, like, if this hasn't influenced the Safdie brothers, mm. then nothing has." Like, this is like yeah. natural performances, um, and 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 a gritty f- look a gri- into the city yes. that it takes place in. Yeah, right. Great characters on a gray journey. You know, I mean, it's like. I mean, even what's Adam Sandler's character's name in Uncut Gems? He's kind of like Cosmo. Like he, yeah. he kind of like speaks the same way and they kind of dress like in that sort of gaudy fashion. Um, yeah. Although at the time, I guess Cosmo wasn't wasn't uh, gaudy. I guess that was the style then. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think there's massive clear influence. So I'm pretty excited to, to A, rewatch Uncut Gems and then um, talk about how we think, you know, it relates back to Killing of the Chinese yes. Bookie. But Despite Broadway Queen Adina Menzel being in this film, I have not seen it, so I'm so excited. Really? Yeah. Okay. Good. Oh, okay. Yes. You are. I am very okay. curious what you're going to think about this movie. It is wild. Oh boy. Okay. Okay. Good thing I didn't keep going about it then. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, catcher. What were you going to um, say? No, I was going to. Um, in my research, I found like um, the Safties actually did like a top. 10 influences i think or maybe top mm-hmm. five influences mm-hmm. and their number two was like the whole john cassavetti's like box set mm. was like that was a t- was tied for like second place mm-hmm. um so yeah that it's yeah that definitely had an influence and i'm excited to sort of in comparison these two films i don't think you could do a better sort of like double bill yeah um cool so then after that we're gonna go to boom so boom what's your uh satellite pick that we're gonna talk about in two weeks um yes so in two weeks we will be doing boogie nights um (laughs) our first pta yeah that's right first pta meeting for us um (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i'll just go through like some of the parallels you know just so you know it checks out uh but i won't give too much away (laughs) in case you haven't seen it um but yeah, so basically, and, and on the, on the checks out comment, I gave a stern rule that <laughs> no this format is not an excuse just to go pick random movies you want to go talk about. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and so if that seems strict, I apologize. But no, it, indeed, you have some sort of format here. Yeah, we we have to be able to reel it in. <laughs> Otherwise, we're gonna be doing some wacky shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, boom, go ahead. But yeah, so just in terms of like adult. The adult entertainment industry, the 70s, false havens, Mm -hmm. a man who aims to have everything, but it unravels quickly. So, Mm. yes, two weeks from now, boogie nights. Nice. (laughs) Finally, we're doing a PTA. Yeah. Long time coming. My king, long time coming. All right, and then Catcher, uh, what is your side of the pick that we'll do to to wrap up this little uh, exploration of killing of a Chinese bookie? Okay, so I it's interesting, Ian, because you picked uh, like a New York movie, right? It's a very New York mm-hmm, movie, mm-hmm. Um, and Cassavetes like did a lot of like lived, I think, and New York was a big like part of the scene in New York, and wasn't a particularly big fan of California. Um, so I, why not do a little bit of a love letter to New York mm-hmm. uh, and have uh, a sort of seedy underbelly uh, stuff goes wrong and sort of. Th- dealing with the internals of a character and and their morals and what they believe in. Um, And we're going to do Spike Lee's 25th hour. I think Mm -hmm. I, I love, I mean, I need to watch more Spike Lee. This is a Spike Lee movie I've seen. Um, So that's a bummer, but I like this movie so much. Uh, And I think it's a really interesting movie. It's definitely stylistically a lot different, but I think that's what'll be good about sort of what we're getting to do with this different sort of format, which is okay. Let's take a look, 
maybe had similar themes or or similar plot devices or or that sort of thing um and and see how directors can take them in different places so i think this is cool oh, wow. so yeah. uh yeah this will be fun so our, our exploration of killing of a chinese bookie uncut gems uh boogie nights and then 25th hour and then after that we'll go to our next criterion movie uh, and go on from there yeah um well yeah so let's go to uh our favorite little section here <laughs> which is social media tea with boom yeah boom, what was the action happening um, on, our, on our ig so this week so my dear leave beloved john cassavetes who i love so much um <laughs> was also an actor he was like in rosemary's baby which is pretty wild um Mm -hmm. so i threw out the question on social media who are some directors that also act that you love or like vice versa we got a good response um Mm -hmm. so a few just to point them out would be orson wells um Mm -hmm. takeshi katano Greta Gerwig, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. I always actually catcher. Do you like do you like Greta Gerwig, catcher? I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> Honestly, the only films I've seen from her are ones she's directed. Uh, yeah, and, <laughs> and, and uh, what's it called? Little Women is like one of the greatest film experiences I've ever had. So. <laughs> what were you saying? <laughs> uh, I was just saying that I haven't really seen her. Sorry, I always forget that she also acted. Like I guess she doesn't really do mm-hmm. it so much anymore, but. Yeah, um, and then we have Jordan Peele, obviously, obviously. Mm-hmm. Clint mm-hmm. Eastwood, who I also found out today was 90. Like, I'm sure a lot of people know that, and that's not news to them. And but still, it, like, directing movies. Didn't yeah, he like, just he have one last year? Yeah, upwardly mobile, like, literally and figuratively. Like, he is just <laughs> being, like, 90, so what? Um, good, good for you, Clint. Um, we have M. Night Shyamalan, somebody said. I'm like... He's not an actual actor, right? Like, he just does those cameos <laughs> in his movies. Hey, 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 his performance in Lady in the Water, he's basically, like, the main character of oh. that movie. I don't remember that I one. Is that. he really? No, he's not. He's, like, one of, like, the main characters. Maybe not the main oh. like, protagonist, right. but he's, like, one of, like, five, like, main oh characters in that oh. movie. In go. my, like, yeah. early days of being, like, a young film buff, although I feel like I've realized <laughs> that I'm just a person who likes movies but when you're younger you like really want to hold on to like certain identities and i remember going to see the village with my sister and specifically mm-hmm. then going like it was like on the weekend and then like having this what i thought was a profound thought being like this was the worst movie ever he just committed um filmmaking suicide that's what i said and then i went back to school <laughs> <laughs> The following week, and like people are like, "What did you do this weekend?" I'm like, mm, "I saw this M Night Shyamalan movie, The Village. He's the worst director ever. He committed filmmaking suicide." So that is <laughs> <laughs> Boom's first film hot yeah. take. Yeah, goodness, I I like The Village. Uh, Me too. I'm also a uh, I I'm an M Night Shyamalan apologist too. I think he really does great work. It's not I un, I understand he's not, you know, he is like it's like easy. it's an M Night Shyamalan movie. It's easy to hate but, on, but it's like entertaining as fuck. Yeah, like it's not his fault all his movies were massively successful and people got like tired of like yeah. the Shyamalan thing. <laughs> but he had some duds obviously along the yeah. way. I mean, I'm not going to defend uh what is it? Airbender and The Becoming or whatever, but <laughs> the, happening. the happening. Uh but I thought um The Visit and Glass and uh, Success. What was his other recent movie? Wait. Well, no, his recent movies. Um, let me look on. It was the Elevator one, Devil. Oh, Del- God, that, that movie was really good. <laughs> that movie was awful. But it's called the Elevator. It's called the Elevator. It's called. Uh, oh God, he did After Earth too. My God, he did do a lot of stinkers. Yes. Um, but I really did like the Visit, Split, and Glass. I thought those were all quite good. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people didn't like Glass in particular, but I thought it was I thought it was a really fun yeah. movie. You didn't like Glass? I like Split. I Split was, Split was good. Uh, I think the only problem with Glass is it was biting off more than it could chew. I think. Mm. Yeah. But I, 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 what he was trying to do was cool. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Sorry. 
Anywho. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and who else? Who um, else yeah, just a few more. Uh, Rob Brainer, Jonathan Frakes mm-hmm. or Frackies. I'm not. Jonathan Franks. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and John Favreau. Mm, the mm. Favs. Yes. Oh, yeah. And that was. He's so good and I love you, man. Oh. Oh, yeah. He's. <laughs> <laughs> what the. Of all the pulls, I was just I like, love, I didn't I, know what you were going to choose. I love that. that I love one. that movie. He's, and he is so funny in it. He's so good in Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Or very good Iron in that Man, role, whatever. Okay. Yeah. That's Iron the team. That. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh have you seen i love you man both of you no yeah i, I love it's it. been a while but yeah i saw it in theaters i think when it I, 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 i've seen that movie like hundreds of times uh great preference the, prefer- like premise the premise. uh that scene with favreau when uh what's his wife is like we're gonna go to their their wedding shower and he's like, I've never met the guy. She's like, Peter, he was here. He was here last week. He's like, never met him. He's like, well, you had dinner with him. He's like, no, don't know who he is. He's just so, so funny. Okay, it's on my anyway, list. Um, well, that was quite an odd episode. That was an app. Uh, but the- Mer- is Mercury in retrograde right now? What's happening? <laughs> uh, but that was Killing of the Chinese Bookie. Thanks for everyone who listened. Yes. And, uh and, and let us know your thoughts either on social media at Synonauts or email us at synonautspod at gmail.com uh, about what you're thinking about how our, our month of exploration around uh, our Criterion movies. Because I think it's going to be good. I think we're going to have fun. I'm so excited. Give people a chance to watch movies that are in English and not like completely like grounded in <laughs> art house and all sort of stuff. It'll be good. Good, good. I'm stoked. Boom catcher. Fun as always. Always the time. An exciting adventure. (laughs) An exciting adventure as always. And uh, I will talk to you next week. See you. Talk to you soon. See you next week. (laughs) Bye.